0: Colossians chapter 3, we'll start with verses 1 to
1: 10. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are put off. You are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge, according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, yeah, first oh, I'm first sorry, okay. okay. Um,
0: it's amazing how similar this is to Ephesians chapter 4 this passage written by the same person but when you backtrack in verse 1 it says if you were raised with Christ if you've been converted it says seek the things which above where Christ is set your mind the things above not on the things of the earth For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, shall appear, then you shall appear with him in glory. In this passage, it says something very powerful and very sure. And we were talking about this a little bit in the men's meeting the other night, about Christ being our life. And if Christ, it, it tells us, Here that uh, to set our mind on things above, not on things of the earth, because Christ is our life. Now, Christ might be our life in some respects, but he tells us to set our mind on it, on things, heavenly things and not earthly things. Seek the things which are above, not the things of the earth. Heavenly things, not earthly things. It's an altogether different focus because it's an altogether different life. Before, we were our own master, and we, were, we ran our own life. He says, now Christ is your life. And it's one of the hardest things to embrace and to understand that somebody else has become our life. And that other that other is God himself. The Son of God has become our life. He gave his life for us. He bought us with his blood. He has the right to claim us. And he says... Since it's true that Christ is our life, live in such a way. Set your mind in such a way that Christ is our life. To be seeking heavenly things, not earthly things. Spiritual things and not carnal things. Last week, we talked about how Jesus says that we must not love one else more than him. It's not enough to just love Jesus. He says you've got to love him more than anybody else. To be his disciple. Such a radical thing. And so this sounds radical too, that someone else has become our life. Jesus, Son of God, who gave himself for us, is now our life. And to set our mind in such a way that embraces him being our life and self being put to the side. He says we must not love our own life more than Him. So that means He has to be above us. And His life is now our life. we say, well, how is that possible that His life is now our life? He gives us His Spirit. We become partakers of God's nature, it says in Peter. And He gives us that nature. And He tells us to walk in it. And so... The life that he lived now becomes the life that we live. The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. I am crucified with Christ. We read in Galatians the other day. Yet not I, but I no longer live. It says, I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. When we think about being crucified with Christ, and this is something we were chatting about on, on Wednesday, what does it mean to be crucified with Christ? Because it says it here, too, in verse 3, you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in in God. There is this death to our old way of life, our old nature. The body doesn't die. We're not crucifying our body. It's that corrupt nature that directs the body. And he says, um, in verse 9, do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and put on the new man. And again, this is what Ephesians 4 talks about. Putting off the old and putting on the new. And this is the death, the crucifixion that Paul is talking about. In Galatians chapter 5, it says those who are Christ have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. It identifies who are Christ. Those are Christ that have crucified the flesh. And he says here, you have died. There's this death. Death to our old way of life. Death to the way we lived before. Death to the, the desires that are within us, in our body. We count ourselves dead, it says in Romans chapter 6 to these things. We have died, and our life is hidden with Christ in God. Romans chapter 6, it says we are buried with Christ. We died, we buried with Christ. And we were raised to walk a new life. And that new life, is, he says, that if we died with Christ, we're free from sin. And this is what we are talking about in the communion meditation. We're freed from sin through faith in the blood of Jesus. Free from its power. It breaks the, the, the power of sin when we put faith in the blood of Jesus, when we believe this message of liberty, of freedom. And so he says in verse 5, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth. There's that crucifixion again. Immorality, uncleanness, passion, or lust, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. The New Testament identity of, uh, of idolatry, covetousness, which is idolatry. It says, put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge of him, according to the image of him who created him. The new man is the man of the Spirit. The person who's been made alive in Christ. That person, he says, put him on. You see, there's a decision to make. Put off and put on. And when Paul says, I die daily, this is a daily walk and a daily putting to death and a daily crucifixion. And there's nothing passive about this. There's no sitting on our hands about being a Christian. It is something that we have to be proactive about. When it says to put on the full armor of God it's so that we can wage war. Let us say wait till you're beat up and then put on the armor of God. Prepare ourselves for life. And for all it's pitfalls, all its temptations, all its trials, prepare ourselves for life by putting off the old man and putting on the new. And so, so well, how do I know where I'm at? Well, it's plain enough to see because our fruit will show us where we're at. We're walking in the flesh, we're walking in the spirit. So now we'll go pick up again in verse 12, and we'll read from verses uh, 12 to verse 17.
1: Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Mm -hmm.
0: You notice what we've read, and if we take a look at Colossians 3, it tells us first about a mindset, and then it tells us to put off the flesh and put on the things of the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, As the elect of God, verse 12, put on mercy, tender mercy, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering or patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another. This is the fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? And you see that he tells us to put off the old and put on the new. And again, this is not the only place the Word of God tells us this. And the reason why there's this kind of instruction to Christians is because we can be lazy and careless about the way we live. The Bible says be careful how we live. But we can be careless and sluggish about the way we live. We all have been that place. Maybe we're there today. And this might be a wake-up call. Whatever. This is the Word of God. And it's telling us To put on and put off. Put off the old man so that you can put on the new. We can't pick up our cross unless we deny ourselves, Jesus said. We must deny ourselves and then pick up our cross and then we can follow Jesus and be his disciple, his follower. And here, he tells us to put on the new man and in verse 14, above everything else, put on love. Which is the bond of perfection. In verse 15, and let the peace of God rule your heart. The peace of God cannot rule our heart if we're walking in the old man. It just doesn't happen. Peace is one of the fruits of the Spirit. We can't let the peace of God rule our heart if we're walking the wrong way. So he says, put on the new man put on all these these fruits of the flesh, of the the Spirit, uh, tender mercy, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, patience, bearing with each other, putting on love, which is above everything else, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule your heart. And it's written in that way for purpose. When we're walking in the Spirit, we find peace in our hearts. We find the peace of God in our life. Kate, do we need more chairs? One more. No. Just no, so. Uh, can you come here, please? Well, I, we can get another one and put it you over here. Sit right on the couch, right? Okay. No problem. Um, so let the peace of God rule in your heart to which you were called in all, one body and be thankful. This week we celebrated the holiday Thanksgiving. It's about giving thanks to God. But as we read in First Thessalonians chapter 5, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning us, concerning you and me. And everything give thanks. That means the good days and the bad days. And you see that it requires putting on the new man to be able to live that way. Put on the new man. And then you can have the peace of God in your heart. And it says, and you can be thankful. You know, when we're not walking in the spirit, we can be awful grumblers. The carnal mind is a grumbling mind. It complains about a lot of things. It's very negative and down. But when we're grateful, it's because our mind and our heart are in a different place. We recognize the great benefits. The Bible says, forget not his benefits. But sometimes we do. But life in the Spirit brings us around to that, to being thankful and grateful. He brings us back to in everything give thanks. You know, the trials, the temptations, the good days, the bad days. When we're on the mountain, or we're in the valley, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. It's God's will for us to give thanks, to be grateful. So, well, things aren't going right. If we have faith in God, we believe things will not always be this way. Man does not look at things the way God does, and God does not look at things the way man does. God sees the big picture. He can stand way back. And in Christ, he begins to give us that vision of the big picture, and not present details. Not things the way things are presently. But he gives us hope and help for the future, and we believe that. In everything give thanks. But this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you and me. In verse 16 he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And this is one of the challenging questions in this, what we're reading today. Is the word of God living in me richly? Am I meditating on the word of God day and night like it says in Psalms 1? But in his word, he meditates day and night. In his law, in his word, he meditates day and night. Is it on our hearts and our minds. Are there are too many distractions. Are there are too much going on. Too many programs going on in our life. We need to simplify our lives so that we can uh, let the word of God dwell in us richly. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing. The word admonish means to warn, to correct, to encourage, admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Does that ever happen to us during the day, during the week? That we're singing to the Lord when we're not in church? Sometimes we just get out the hymn book and just start singing, or while we're in our work or in our day, we're just, you know, melodies come up and things, we just start singing to the Lord and worshiping God in our day. And then verse 17, it says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God the Father who, and there's that word thanks again. Whatever you do in word or do, deed, to all in the name of the Lord Jesus. You know, if we really look at our lives, there's some things that we are embarrassed. It would say, oh, I'm really not doing that in the name of Jesus. Uh, you know, that's that's not Jesus. Oh, that's me. That's self. That's flesh. That's not the name of Jesus. That's the name of me. And you see that God is calling us to the higher calling, the higher ground. Lord, lead me on the higher ground. And this is where he's calling us. Calling us to grow up. Not to stay as spiritual children, but the spiritual maturity to grow up. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> in verse 22, to take this a step serve further, bond servants, obey all things your master, in all things your master is according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God, and whatever you do, Do it heartily, as to the Lord, and not to men, and knowing that from the Lord you receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. This, This is the mindset that the Christian is called to. Setting your heart and your mind on things above, on heavenly things, that we're doing this to serve the Lord. And we're doing it in the name of Jesus. It says above, and it says below. It says, whatever you do, do it heartily. Not as to men, but as unto God. Now isn't it really interesting that in between those two statements that it talks about in verse 18 about the role of the wife, verse 19 talks about the role of the husband, verse 20 talks about the role of the children verse 21 talks about the role of parents of fathers family life because sometimes we forget in the family and we feel like you know the things that God has told us to do in family life sometimes there doesn't seem to be any reward for it but God is not a respecter of persons he will reward us even in family life, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing in domestic situations. Whatever we do in our words or in how we live, do it in the name of Jesus. And it says, and whatever you do, do it heartily, from our heart. Heartily means from the heart. Not doing it for men, but as unto God. Like if for bo- for you have a boss, or it says here, if you have a, if you're, have a master over you or whatever in the extreme circumstance. But we're serving God. For obeying the government, we're serving God. For obeying those who are in authority over us. If a wife is submitting to her husband, if a husband is loving his wife as Christ loved the church and laying down his life for her, if if a, a father is teaching his children and all this other stuff, we're doing it in the name of Jesus and for Him. It is a conscience toward Him. That is setting our mind on heavenly things and not earthly things. It is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit is teaching us. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward. In this life and in the life to come for sure. For serving Him. For serving the Lord, Jesus, who gave His life for us. He bought us with his blood. The Bible says we no longer belong to ourselves. We belong to him. What does that mean? That's what it means. Just what it says. We belong to him. We no longer belong to ourselves. And the next one then is very similar. I mean... Referring to Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 to 8, if you could read that, thank you.
1: Bondservants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and sincerity of heart as to Christ not with eye service, as men-pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service, as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. Mm-hmm. And um, I
0: think it's interesting again, That if you look at the second half of Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 22, it begins talking about marriage. And then it talks in chapter 6 and verses 1 to 4, it talks about family life again, children and parents. And then it talks about servants, it talks about doing the will of God from the heart right after that. Again, very similar. And it says, in sincerity of heart as to Christ. Verse 6, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ. Now I'll give you an example that comes to my mind when I think about somebody doing somebody eye service. You know, I remember there's these guys that that I used to work with at the golf course, they're all gone now, but it still goes on. You see cycle of this happening. You know, that these guys would have it rigged up that when they knew the boss was around, they'd be, they'd be working like crazy. They'd be going like 60, you know. They'd be sweating, working up like they were working a sweat and everything. As soon as they see the boss's cart go by and he went by and they, they saw the <coughs> boss's truck go out the driveway, man, they were, they were, they were loafing and they were goofing off. Why? Because they only they, they didn't have conscience towards God. Because God sees. See, that's what you call eye service. Just doing it when the boss is around. That is just one example. You know, But understand that we're doing this from the heart before God. We're serving the Lord from our heart. And whatever we're doing, whether we're in the job, or in our family life, in our domestic life situations, and we're in our neighborhood... Or out alone somewhere in public, or in private, God sees. So it's not just a big show to impress others, or to impress those in authority over us, but the ultimate authority—we're living before God with goodwill. Verse seven: with goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. This is the mindset of the new nature this is the not mindset of walking in the spirit of having conscience towards God walking in the fear of God not playing games with God not forgetting of the presence of God that we're serving him and not man you see If we're just doing a lot of eye service, you know, it's not conscience towards God. And sincere in the heart. As to the Lord. We keep on, these two passages talk about doing things as if we're doing them towards God. And with that one, we will go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. verses 14 to 17 2 corinthians 5 14 to 17
1: for the love of christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all then all died and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and rose again therefore from now on we regard no one according to the flesh even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new.
0: We are a new creation. The old way. Old things have passed away. That's why it tells us to put away the old and put on the new. All things have become new. And one of the things that have become new, amongst many things, is a new way of looking at life. We regard no man, one version says, we regard no man from a worldly point of view. We don't look at it from the way of the world anymore. We begin to see as God sees. We begin to see the big picture. We begin to get God's vision as we're being led and, and influenced and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We have a spiritual mind. We set our mind on things above, not on things of this earth. Those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Christ. For him who died and rose again. I think that every Christian in sincerity should think about what that means to live for somebody else and not themselves. And this somebody else is the person who died for them and gave his life for them and bought them with his blood. He earned the right for us to live for him. But are we living for him? And And you know it's not my job to tell that to anybody else. Everybody else to me, each of us must examine ourselves. Am I living for Jesus? Is, am I living for him and not myself? And that word self is in there. And as we think of the word self, you know, there's words that we associate with self, and I'm gonna think of a few of them, mention a few of them here if I turn it right side up. <clears throat> One of the fruits of the flesh: selfish ambition. In other words, motivations that are not about God's plan. Selfish ambition, self-centered. Our thinking, when it's self-centered, self when, when we're, our mind is self-centered. Self-promoting, the pride that creates self-promoting and self-exaltation. Apostle Paul says, God forbid that I should boast, except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified to me and me to the world. Self-absorbed, we're living in our own little world, it's all about us. Self absorbed. Self pleasing. When we're seeking to please our bodies, our senses, sensual. Self pleasing. We mentioned the, from, uh, from Timothy last week, talked about in the last days, one of the things that mentioned that people be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God didn't say they didn't love God at all. It says they were lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Or, I'm sorry, lovers of self more than lovers of God. There's the word self in there again. We have to examine ourselves and see what's at the core of our life. Because it affects the way we live. Everybody's known by their fruit. A tree is known, even a a child is known by its doing. We have to examine not only what we're doing, but go down a little deeper and look inside of us. Why? God God shines a light on our motivations. The word of God goes deep down into our heart and soul and exposes the thoughts and intentions of our hearts why why am I doing what I'm doing why am I living the way I'm living and the ultimate question is am I living for him am I living for Jesus and everything that living for Jesus means we're seeking to please him We're seeking to lift His name up and not ours. We're seeking to exalt Him. We're seeking His pleasure instead of our pleasure in the way we live, in our mindset, in our motivations. Set our mind on heavenly things, not on things of this earth. We have died and our our life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear and we shall appear with him Christ is our life and we live for him a Christ centered life instead of a self centered life he is the center of my life not me not self Jesus is on the throne of my life and I'm (coughs) off of it radical for sure Fanatical, according to the flesh, according to the world, sure is. But again, these are the things we're reading in the Word of God. The disciple of Jesus, the follower of Jesus, he who follows me will not be in darkness. Following Jesus, following in his steps and living for him. No darkness in that. I'm going to stop here. I'm going to open it up to you brothers to, to speak and on whatever's on your heart, whether it has to do with this or anything else you've had.
1: You know, not paying attention and and how the word of God is the only thing that stands between us and deception. You know, that the word of God is powerful and alive and sharper than any two edged sword able to pierce into the marrow of the bone, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's the only thing that if we're not I mean if we're not in it on a daily basis, and I think we can all attest to it, we we drift you know literally one day is enough to start drifting and that's why when you know god gave manna from heaven such a great example you know that that he gave it one day at a time and that you had to you had to go out and gather it so that you could have sustenance for that day mm-hmm. and that's how the word of god is for each one of us and when we, when we don't take that, that seriously. And we start, like you've opened up with having all these other, other things going on in our lives, all these other projects and all these other plans and all these other, you know, distractions, you know, little by little, you know, within one day, it's enough to throw us off course. And if we wake up the next morning, (coughs) off course, and don't redirect and adjust, then we're into the second full day, and before you know it, you know drifting takes you far, far away, you know. So it's the the word of God, and I just re- I give thanks to God because sitting here, you know that that clarity came to me. It's just the word of God that keeps us keeps us on the right track, it's it's our saving grace, you know, the Word of God that is God, you know, the, in the beginning was the Word, the Word, you know, was God, or right, the Word, how does it go, was God, wait, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was, God and the word, was God, and the word became flesh, you know, in the sense of Jesus, in the person of Jesus, so, you know... It's not, it's not hard when you look intently at the Word of God to see where you're going wrong. It's just not looking intently that is the problem for all of us.
0: When you're saying that, Dave, I was thinking of a song that I've heard a lot recently. It's an older its a song from a couple, 20, 30 years ago. It's called, this is the air I breathe, and uh, in the second verse somewhere, and it says, this is my daily bread, and it says, your holy word spoken to me. And it is, you know, it's our, it's our spiritual food speaking to us, you know, God speaking to our hearts, those words. Can you press the stop button?